initiate startup process. Now, all the way live. Hey, yo, <laughs> y'all know what this is. Damn it, the most hip-hop and R&B. I want to introduce to y'all. It's the infamous. Call your friends and tell them it's going down now. It's going down. Woo! You understand that? It's It's live. Let's, Let's go. In five, four, three, two, one. We're back live here on the Infamous Hour of Boom Bap Nation Radio. Make sure you subscribe to the Infamous Hour, iHeartRadio, iTunes, all platforms. Make sure you listen to me on Shade 45, Sirius XM. It goes down, right? Right now on the line, I have a legendary MC, the originator himself. Give it up for Jazzo on the line. What's up? Yo, yo, goody. Um, you know, you know, you know, I, I have to, I got to admit something to you, uh, here live on air. Um, I always go into this conversation with, uh, younger audiences and DJs and, and, and just different people about who invented this doubling up flow here in New York city. And initially my thought was bone thugs, but when I went to your, um, release party, um, at quad studio, I quickly realized that we have to kind of give this credit to you for giving up this like amazing fast flow. Like, where did you actually come up with rapping in that manner? Man, it was, oh man, you talking about the late seventies and, um, you know, that's when we used to make mixtapes, like, that mixtape was like a real tape. It was like a cassette tape and a DJ, you know, even on the turntable, you know, spinning joints and you just rhyming, you know, sometimes for 20 minutes, sometimes for a half hour, whatever, you know. So basically, you know, I was writing rhymes and, you know, I was already doing like, you know, fast rhyming within the cadence of like, you know, 16, mm-hmm. you know, over four fourth beats. But what happened was, you know, uh, what occurred was I was trying to fit another syllable into a line and in order to fit it in there, you know, I had to, I had to double it up. Mm-hmm. So when I did it, my DJ was like, my man KG, he was like, yo, you should do that more, man. I was like, yeah, I did just fit those words in. He's like, you should do that more. And I was like, yeah, maybe I should. So I started doing it more. And incidentally, um, there were certain types of beats that were like, um, I don't know if you're familiar with time signatures, but like, you know, they were made in like 16 triplets or 16 with like a, a, a shuffle, a shuffle percentage of over 50%, which would give it like that shuffle feel. So when you did that, you had to rhyme more like in 24. If you wanted to like what they say, double up, you really be rhyming in 24s like in the original originators when I'm going like my family is singing it's affordable living the luxury and it's affordable you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. so it's that's that's like 24s mm-hmm. so yeah like it ain't it ain't a kind of thing like yeah I yeah I put I put that in the world man I, I gotta I, I usually ain't got no ego about none of that I still don't but <laughs> I put that in the world, man. Nah, you definitely, you definitely put that in the air. Now, 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 writing in that format is it more difficult um, than writing in, you know, like the bars that we've heard throughout time, like you know, the mob deeps of the world or the locks or whatever. Writing in that fast cadence, like what is the what is the difference in between writing in the two? Um, I mean, it, it's a lot more words, but you know, I can't really determine like how you know, the level of difficulty it is for 
you know, somebody else, like how they write, whatever they write. I mean, me for myself, like the same thing, except more words involved. It's a bit more complicated, but difference between me, like I, I know for, for myself is that I, I already have a vision of like cadence, of, you know, the work, play, I put it together. I don't really, I'm not really one for like drafts. You know, a lot of people, they do drafts or, you know, like I see a lot of cats in, ain't no disrespect to cats in them, but I see them, you know, doing, um, doing freestyles and they, they read freestyles out the phone, like mm-hmm. just things like that. You know, I don't, I don't see the point. Like if it's your creation, create it. If you ain't ready to go, then don't do it till you're ready. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm a traditionalist. Like, I don't see why people do that. But what I'm saying is the level of difficulty is really no different. It's, it's just more words involved and, you know, it's more time consuming, I could say that. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we live in a different time now. And, and, and you just dropped an album, you know, recently. Um, we live in a different time now where it kind of seems like lyrics don't matter. Um, you know, just general content doesn't matter. Like, where do you think the disconnection happened between hip hop it, it's a, in its original form and the younger generation? Like, where do you think they actually got disconnected? Well, mainstream commercialism, because the thing is, you, and I'm not saying, saying like these younger guys are, you know, uh, or, you know, the content, because you got, I mean, you got cast that, that put it down, you know, in my opinion, or probably in our opinion, and then you got, you got guys that are just trash, you know, and he's just making records, you know, and their whole, their whole record is a, a punching session. So, um, basically, this connect came with mainstream commercialism. And with that, you know, they start playing by the numbers. Everything became a numbers game. You know, I remember uh, being at Universal years ago and, you know, they they had this little room and I, I was asking a and there. I was like, oh, what's this little room? It's like, yeah, we got this new thing. And this was about, man, this was early, um, probably like 2000, Three, other four days. Like, yeah, we got this thing called um, A&R Research. And what it was was five people on a computer all day long, I'm saying, looking at numbers, seeing who numbers is positive, you know, as far as music. So the, the music and lyric content of what's known as hip hop changed because it became a numbers game. Because you got a good, if you got somebody with, you know, business savvy or they computer savvy, you know, and they can get their numbers up, they can get seen, they get noticed, they get meeting, they get a deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It became all about numbers than content. Now, 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 back when you were coming up as 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 an MC, and this was even before, like, so I'm 37, so my generation was was kind of like mob and all that, and you're actually a little before then. Um, what was the difference in actually like coming up at that time? Because we didn't really have like a super mainstream hip hop artist. Um, they were just basically developing at that time. So, how was kind of like the signing process getting on at that time? Um, of course, you know, like 
when I come out, you know, like social media was non-existent. You're breaking up a little bit. You're so, breaking up a little bit. Um, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. Now again. Yeah. Yeah. What I was saying was, um, when you know, when I when I got my deal, uh, social media was non-existent. So you had to get heard. You know, by way of you know the old-fashioned way. You know, niggas just had to hear you. So you had to be in the street. You had to be at the block parties. You had to be in the clubs. You know, you had to, you know, you had to be on your mixtape game. You know, in this literal sense, the original mixtape game. So you had to be on your, on your one twos like that, and that's how you got noticed. So, you know, um, you know, somebody who had an inside on, you know, um, was you know a record company or they knew an A and R or whatever like that. You know, once you were buzzing in the street, you know, to a certain extent, you know, you catch a meeting, you know, people start looking for you. That's how it happened. That's how it happened with me. You know, um, you know, I was known in the street, you know, me and um, this cat Fresh Gordon, we actually had a mixtape that made it all the way down to um, Florida, like, um, you know, like um, Luke Skywalker had one, you know, a lot of people, you know, they talk about it, like they had one, like way back when. And that was our social media, and it was almost like a miracle to get it taken all the way down there. And it wasn't like we were doing distribution or nothing like that. We weren't selling them or nothing like that. We was just like, you know, somebody get lucky enough, you know, in their sense, you know, to get one. And, you know, they they duplicated, you know, like, oh, I got this jazz doing, you know, whoop, 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 this, that, and the other. And it circulated. So, um, that's that's how it happened as opposed to now, you know, it's a whole different procedure and it's more it's more of an entrepreneurialistic blah 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 entrepreneurialistic um scenario, if you will. Um because for the most part, you know, these cats know what they're doing. Like they may not have the lyrical skills, they may not be MCs for real in our eyes, but as far as the computer savvy, you know, they own it, you know, the, um, the youngest generation. And I'm not, you know, I'm not making, I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to isolate who they are as opposed to what we are, you know, um, the music game and what it's um, based on now, they're a lot more savvy than the veteran artists. Yeah. You know, the veteran artists, I would think, you know, with the most about me to sit back and let any of them do this, let the most do that, let it manage to do that. You know, these guys on this more independent, you know. Yeah. And it kind of seems like now, like in, in 2020, I don't even think you kind of need a label at this point. The independent artist is kind of the way to go where you have direct relationship to consumer. You don't have to actually go to a record label. Now, after the Two Your Soul album, you kind of like went behind the scenes. And I, I had heard a story. I don't know how true this is, but I guess I'll ask you now. I'm on the phone with you that you were instrumental in the actual production of the demo tape for the locks that actually got them signed to Bad Boy. Um, is that true? Is yeah. That, yeah, that, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's true. So, so how did that actually? Yeah, that's accurate. That that is accurate. Oh, round of applause. So, <laughs> fuck, I'm talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. So, so how did that actually happen? Um. When you got involved with the demo tape with the locks and they got signed to Bad Boy, how did that? How did they actually come to you and how did that whole thing work out? Well, what happened was I was um, 
I actually we didn't realize that we we knew each other from even even further back. And what I'm talking about is um E and Y, mm-hmm. you know, Rough Riders. And um, cause I gotta tell this story to tell another story. What happened was um this had to be like early wasn't even yeah it was like early nineties. You're talking about early early nineties, maybe like ninety. Two or something like that, um, and Chad Elliott, he was like, "Yo, um, these cats I know they got this artist. They look for beats on like yo, together some beats. They don't have like a big budget or whatever, but you know they doing it independent, and you know we could get you know we could get a little bag real quick. So I had I had a crazy. Well, I don't know if a lot of people know I produced a lot of joints, but um, so we met them." We met them at the George Washington Bridge, you know what I'm saying, and we made them beats. Incidentally, what happened was it was DNY, and the beats were for DMX. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I never heard any of my stuff recorded, like, you know, on his albums and nothing like that, you know, for the record. But, um, so years later, you know, I was working out of D&D studio. Um, and this was not too much later. This was you talking about uh, maybe like 95, yeah, like 95, yeah, 94, 95. And um, so um, I actually did uh, face to face. I met D first. And what happened was in B&B, they had this, uh, used to work out and it was more, more. And they heard the beats coming out of there. And D came back and he was like, yo, he was like, who, who did that beat? He was like, well, I was, you know, I made, mm-hmm. made that beat. I was like, I made these beats. He was yo, who, what's that? Who, who, who got that? You cutting out. You cutting out um, a little bit. You, you, you're cutting out. All right. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, now I can hear you. Yeah. All right. So I don't know where it left off, but D. Basically, D came in there. He was like, yo, whose beat is that? And I was like, I'm just in here banging out. So, basically, um, who was there already? Um, Sheik was there. Yeah, Sheik was there. And, um, and Styles was there. So, he brought Styles and Sheik in there. And um, he just started spitting to the joint. And they was like, yo, we got to, um, he's like, how long are you going to be here? Like, I'm here all night. And, um. He was like, yeah, in about a half hour, I mean, Jada going to be here. So Jada got there about a half hour later. Jada came in there. Everybody loved the beat. Jada spit on it. And um, I can't find the song. I can't find the file or nothing. There's a joint called For My Niggas. And that joint, um, another joint is called um, It Was All While It Lasted. And then there was a freestyle. I did this beat. And um, Styles was free, um, freestyling on it. What happened was Puff heard it, and um, Puff was like, "Yo, I need that on my album." And he let the rest, he let um, Styles and um, she, you know, get their shit off on it too. And um, the name of the song is called "I Got the Power" on the No Way Out. On the, um, on the Way Out joint. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, I actually 
know one of my favorite groups of all time is MOP, and um, I didn't know that you produced until I heard like the world famous record. Now, what was working with MOP like, and and their actual style, and and you know even more than that. Um, one of the things that I like about MOP is that even to this day they still maintain the old school cadence of like the punching in and out and going together on the Atlas. But specifically with that firing squad, you did a few records on there. Like, what was it like working on that album? Yeah, it was great, but it was it was it was easy. You know what I'm saying? It was easy because you know it was just it was just a, a gang of Brooklyn niggas in the studio, you know, doing what we do, joking, bullshitting around, getting to it. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, as you know, like Primo did massive work with them. You know what I'm saying? The Primo's a good good friend of mine, so it was easy. You know what I'm saying? It was just. Just creative names in the studio creating. You know, we were the same place that, like, you know, they recorded out of there most of the time. I recorded out there practically all the time on speaking to D and D studio. Mm-hmm. So it it was easy. It was fun. You know, it was long hours of waiting. You know, it, we were enjoying ourselves and we were making the music. Yeah. Um. So so now so now moving on. I mean, we, we know you produced Coogee Rap, Rakim, uh, Queen Latifah, obviously Jay Z. Um. N- now here in 2020, we have this project called the Warm Up. Um. What gives you motivation? I mean, being that you've done all these things, you have all these accolades to to just you know say you know what, I want to put out a new project in 2020. Yeah, cause I love this shit, man. I love it. You know what I'm saying? I love. I love creating, you know, on the production side. On the, I, I love going on stage performing. It. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? My, my my goal all the time is to to perform, you know, my music live the exact same way. You know, that's that's the thing that I feel that has been missing. You know, with you know these cats that, that make songs and. You know, everything is a punch in. It's like, you know, and then they got these, they got these long, you know, um, ongoing lines that go on for like four, six, eight bars and there's no breath in between. It's not even realistic. And of course, the, the fans, they're not supposed to care. You know what I'm saying? But it's like being a, um, you know, being, being an MC and, and a part, mm-hmm. like, it's almost hard to listen to. It's like, yeah, man, that's cool if you can really do it, but you can't do that. And it's like, when you get on theatrics, when you get on stage, like, my thing is what I enjoy the most, and that's my motivation. I feel like I'm still ahead of the game of 99.99% of these cats and that other 100,000 is is me. Mm -hmm. So, that's how I feel about it. And that's how I'm supposed to feel about it. Absolutely. You know, but I, I love the music. You know, uh, I enjoy it, you know, regardless of some of the things I'm saying during this interview. I'm real humble about my skin. You know, I don't have no ego about it, but I'm also a realist. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I love, man. I love, because I don't listen to my, my own shit. Besides, like, recording and mixing and, you know, of course, live performance, and, and sometimes, like, when I have a show coming up after I ain't have one in a while, you know, I want to touch up on everything, make sure my shit is right. So, um, I don't listen to my own shit. And I don't listen to other people either. 
you know, you might catch me listening to like Aretha Franklin, Donnie Hathaway, you know, Layla Hathaway, you know, things of that nature. You know, Stevie Wonder, a lot of multi-time shit from the early 70s. Mm-hmm. No, that, that's that, me. That, that's super flavor, and, and uh, we're super encouraged to see you still dropping music in 2020. Now, my final question, I know you're busy. I know you're promoting an album. Um, I, I know we're moving around the best way we can in COVID-19. Um, here in 2020, another thing that has, has happened, uh, we have a new crop of lyricists, per se, this new boom-bap scene. Um, Griselda, I mean, there's a bunch of them. But what do you think it's going to take to get hip-hop? And I mean, when I, when I say hip-hop, I mean, like, lyrical hip-hop back in mainstream and on billboard. It's going to take what's sort of happening now is that a lot of the traditionalists are catching up corporate wise to what's going on. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Cause I think like a lot of my contemporaries, they fail because they trying to do it the way we did it 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to work because it's a whole different game. So I think that a lot of these cats, you know, and, and a lot of them are, are not as um, mature per se, but they're mature as far as their rhyme technique, as far as their lyrical view. So they bring it the way they believe they should bring it and stick it to their guns. And the consistency along with, the, the business savvy understanding how these things work with the numbers and everything on on the new you know on a new horizon it is what's bringing all of that back and I love it. Yeah, it's so super amazing to see. Give it up for for my guest Jazzo right now on the line. Boom Bap Nation Radio. This is the Infamous Hour. iHeart Radio above and beyond. Make sure you subscribe to the Infamous Hour. All media platforms. Listen, I, I want to debut. I want to play a record right now off the warmer. What record do you want to hear? Oh man, I want to say the single. I I want to hear everything, but uh, man, let's 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 go with looking like. All right, we're gonna play this right now on the Infamous Hour here on Live 89 FM. Give it up for Jazzo, Boom Bap Nation Radio. Make sure to subscribe at Boom Bap Nation. It goes down right here on the Infamous Hour. What up, what up, what up? You know what it is. Your boy Styles Peter Ghost is going down right here at Shade 45 Series XM. And you are rocking with my family, the infamous Amadeus. And this is what we do. Stay tuned. Pay attention. Don't turn the station. Ghost. We're back live on the Infamous Hour. Hashtag Boom Bap Nation Radio. I'm the Infamous Amadeus. Make sure you subscribe at all social media platforms at the Infamous Hour. Shade 45, Sirius XM, every single Thursday, 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. The Infamous Amadeus lighting up the airwaves. Right now, if you have Sirius XM or if you don't have Sirius XM, you can actually get a free subscription until May 15th. Right now on the line, I got my guy from the Bronx, the Bronx own. He's done many records. He's fucked many niggas, bitches. I mean, what is there not to say about this guy? Get up for Tony Sunshine on the line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, very first question. Um, up, I, I remember, I remember listening to you guys when when I was coming up in high school and and you know even in my early twenties. Latin's going platinum, and the phrase twin. Ooh. Where did this actual phrase twin come from? The phrase can't actually really uh, 
boy pun just came out with it one day and said twin and he just you know what I mean? He kept calling everybody twin like like it uh it's just like I guess to him it meant like you was just his twin part of him or something. He shit just took a life of his own. I didn't know that anyone outside of my neighborhood or outside of, you know, the crew was even utilizing the same term. Uh, you know, I don't know if, if Pun invented it. I don't know where else it came from, though. You know what I mean? I know it came from Pun, and, and through Pun, it took a life of his own in the neighborhood, and then we took it on the road, and is a word we utilized for many, many, many years, but Throughout the years, I've heard a whole lot of other people utilizing it. I don't, again, I don't know if it came from us or it came from Pun or what it is, but I know it came from Pun, according to me. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, during this time, we had a lot of um, Latin relevant hip hop artists from you know yourself to Pun, Terror Squad, Beat Nuts. I mean, even a little early on, Curious. I mean, there was a bunch of them. Now in, now in 2020, it kind of seems like the Latin music on the Spanish side is more prevalent than ever. When Bad Bunny and you have Drake doing records in Spanish. But why don't we no longer have, in a sense, like a Spanish real hip-hop market, in your opinion? Um, That's a good question, bro. That's a really good question. But, I mean, you know, I think that more so... Latinos, you we, we just we just like to to be a, a part of everything, and I, I mean I think that the people that do make uh, Spanish trap music, we got Spanish R and B music, we got you know I think they just trying to prove that they could do what anybody else is doing in in, in the game. I guess that's a good question, bro. I don't have the answer for that. Yeah, it, it kind of feels like just, just I think even with like the Latin like English thing, it's kind of just disappeared. Like even with the trap wave, like we don't have like on artists that are Latin. I mean, we have some, but they don't claim to be Latin. Like for example, Fabulous. Like we know he's Dominican, but he doesn't claim to be Dominican. Um, you mean bars? You mean as far as bars go? Well, I don't, I don't necessarily mean? mean bars. I I think just Latin in general. Like even with the new age. Um, Artists like the auto tuny, the the singing, like we just really don't have like a Latin presence anymore. What do you think? You mean an authentic Latin movement? Authentic. It's almost like it's almost like just one genre. It, it's not like you have a Latin genre and you have an English hip hop genre. It's just like one. No, I, I don't mean that. What I mean is like so. For example, like during during the early two thousands late 90s we have hip-hop right but we have spanish artists operating in the hip-hop scene so we have beat nuts we have terror squad we have curious we have this person that person now in hip-hop and you are and you feel like and you feel like we don't have enough spanish artists operating in the hip-hop community no not right now well now that you put it that way now that you put it that way a lot of Latinos coming up today feel like, why, why do this if we have our own, you know, we have Latin trap, mm-hmm. we have, you know, reggaeton, we have bachata, we have our own little genres of music. Why would we have to come over here and try to fit in? 
You know, I, I I I believe that a whole lot of people see because I've been I've had conversation with folks that be like, "Yo, tone, but you playing yourself," and I'm like, "I'm playing myself. Why? You should have been made Spanish music. You should have been made it the Spanish trap song, or you should have, you know what I mean? So it's kind of they looking at me like, "Why are you doing this over here when we got this over there?" You know what I mean? They don't understand that this is my passion. They don't understand I love this shit. Mm-hmm. You know, like I respect I respect this over here because I grew up singing salsa. Like my 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 roots come from singing boleros and salsa before I even knew that R and B music existed and then came hip hop. I discovered I discovered rap and hip hop last. So my roots come from, you know, singing boleros and salsa and singing with, with, with Rapi Sabatel and going to the 116 festivals and, you know, I really wore slacks and hard-bottom shoes and button-down shirts as a little kid and did my little salsa moves on stage, you know. So I respect it and I love it, but my passion is over here. This is this is, this is is where my heart is at. This is what the fuck I do, you know. So I'm with you. I think that, I think that uh, we lacking the whole... They out there, though. They out there. They just not putting their best foot forward and, and, and making sure that they they are being seen. And I think that they get discouraged really quick. I guess, mm-hmm. but I agree, bro. I agree with you. Yeah, super. So one of the things that we've been seeing on, on social media has been the resurgence of timeless music. Um, you, you could say from you know the Swiss Beast to Timberland, the um, you know just all these different records, and, and you yourself, you've been involved in a number of timeless records. Out of those records, um, of course, people will say one hundred percent. Some people will say all I need. But in Tony Sunshine's opinion, if you could pick one record that would personify, you know, what your legacy would be, which one would it be, and why? I mean, you know, 100%, just like you said, it would be a generic answer because we all know that that was like one of the biggest records in my career, you know, one of the biggest records I was a part of. And that career in itself, that that song in itself has fed my family for so many years. So I would say that that song holds a great significance in my life, you know, but uh, so that she's like the wind, you know, um, uh, I had a lot of street records that didn't really hit mainstream, you know, and didn't re- didn't really uh, reach the potential it was supposed to through the politics and due to the, the failure to promote on the company side. But you know, like I would say, T O N Y was a huge record for me. I would say, oh my God, I just had so many records that fed my family for so long without being you know, in the mainstream, without having a legitimate visual, without being a legitimate single, without radio play. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I would say one of those records are what would, would define my legacy. Like, not a record that people know that's a mainstream record. One of these records that hit in the street and made me a legend in the underground street market. You know what I mean? So let's just say like a Desert Eagle a T-O-N-Y, My Dick, those are the kind of records I would say that define my legacy, not who, not what I want to define in my long-term longevity career, 
But as we speak right now, those are the records that people will, will, will most likely recognize me for. If you follow Tony Sunshine, you follow myself on social media. Uh, this Thursday, we'll, we'll be live on Instagram. We'll be doing a Q&A and doing a classic record review. For people listening to this podcast, this one had already passed. So I want to ask you some questions about some records and maybe get some inside story on how these records went so the listeners can kind of tune into what we're doing on Thursday. You ready? Let's get it. All right. So you released a record, I believe it was in 2003, 2004. It was called... On my oh my god with Diddy, talk about how this record actually came about. Uh, oh my god was uh, uh, actually a record that Cool and Dre produced, and we knew that we needed like an up tempo club type of vibe. We needed like a club anthem type of situation, and you know Joe had been Joe had been pressing a bunch of producers to get me a vibe that way. You know, about, uh, uh, like like an up tempo club vibe, and Cool and Dre came with this idea. Oh my God! You know, um, Dre from Cool and Dre actually wrote those verses, and uh, we went in the studio and they let me hear it, and I thought it was really dope. You know, the concept of uh, the Oh My God concept, and uh, you know, I smashed that. They sent it off to Diddy. I think Diddy thought it was crazy. Like Diddy laid his eyelids and, and he called Joe up and was like, "Yo, this is really like a smoker, smoker." You know, um, can't tell you what happened with the label behind the record, but I know that Diddy would call almost like every week, try to figure out what's up with the video, what's up with this record, what we doing, you know. Mm. And uh, that was it. We went in the studio. Cool and Dre wrote the record. They produced the record. I went in and smashed it. Uh, Joe Executive produced it. Diddy Executive produced it as well. And the rest is history. And and the rest is so I guess history. it was a team effort. Yeah, su- super team yeah, effort. Yeah, the rest is literally history. Yeah, it was a dope record. <laughs> really dope record. Super dope record. Now you you, you really had a dope you you had a um you you had a record with Swiss Beats, correct? Sure did. Oh, so so what happened to that? Yeah, I, had, I did. I did a few. I, I collaborated. I collaborated with on a few joints. Um, the Swiss Beats. We put it out. We put the record out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it circulated for a moment. It did what it did, and um, I don't know. Radio didn't pick it up. Well, what, uh, what, what do you think? With the, DJs, re- uh, the DJs, kind of the DJs, kind of bypassed it, and 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 overlooked it mm-hmm. and that was about it um, you know I, I think that swiss swiss did his thing on the beat and swiss mm-hmm. was a part of it but you know like he ain't have he didn't have any obligations towards the promotional side of it mm-hmm. and things like that so you know I, i'm just grateful that he was a part of it period when it comes to doing a feature with someone, I think like the listeners have they don't really understand how it goes. So, so, so when you get a feature with a, a Swiss beat, so just just not you, just you know your experience in the industry. Um, how does the promotional aspect go? Is it more like on your side? Are they obligated in a sense because they're on the record? Like, how does that actual well, thing it, go? It, it, it depends if it's a joint venture. If it's a joint if it's a joint venture, then we're in agreement that we both are obligated to promotion. Mm-hmm. You know, but if it's if it's somebody's individual record 
and it's a work for hire, then you know that once the record is done, it's your obligation and your duty to promote promote your record. Mm-hmm. Anything outside of, of work for hire is a blessing. You know, so let's just say the counter artist or whoever it is you hired or whoever you paid to collaborate with you decides that they really like the record. And this is a record that, you know, they're proud to be a part of. They're going to help you promote it. Mm-hmm. They're going to go with it because they know the record is a full go. Now, if you pay someone to be on a record and you collaborate them and they work for hire and they decide that, you know, they're going to just let you promote your own record, you can't really be mad at that. You got to understand that that's just the, that's just the game unless you're willing to pay that man an extra little bag or, 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 the, or, or that, that lady, that woman an extra bag to help you promote then you got to understand that that's just part of the game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Again, unless it's a joint venture situation. Mm-hmm. Now, um, now, 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 an- another classic record uh, that we heard on Big Pun's second album was the My Dick record. Now, w- was this record like a joke or was it supposed to actually be like, were you guys just fucking around the studio one day and you came up with this record? Like, how did that actual record come about? Uh, you know, Pun and I... Pun and I and everybody else in the group, not just Pun and I, you know, we we, we, we were pranksters and jokesters and, and 24 hours a day and everything was a fun, everything was fun and everything were jokes with us. You know, um, while Pun was alive, his idea of introducing me to the world was having me on like 80% of the album. So a lot of the records that I wasn't on you know, was due to politics. Like, let's just say, you know, the record they threw, uh, 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 damn, how can I forget his name? Uh, but it's so hard record. Mm-hmm. Darnell Jones. You know, that's a hook that I actually, uh, co-wrote, you know, and sang. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And, you know, after Pun passed away, due to politics and things like that, they figured that it would be a bigger look to get a known R&B singer or somebody that was out there uh, doing their numbers already. And uh, they went and they got Darnell Jones. So if you really listen to that record and you listen closely, you'll hear my vocals in the background and you hear me singing. And what they did was get Darnell Jones. Well, what they did was, have Donnell Jones come through because I spent like two or three days in the studio with him and just directing him on how to sing the hook. Not directing him because he's a professional and he did his thing. Shout out to Donnell Jones. I'm just saying that originally I was supposed to be on that record and if you listen to it, you'll hear me singing on that record. Oh, so Amongst kept, a so bunch of other records that was on that. They kept your vocals on the they record? They kept my vocals on it. Okay. So, they so- kept my vocals on it and there's just one track of Donnell Jones singing on top of it. You know what I mean? Exclusive, right here on Boom Nation Radio. Super exclusive. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Shout out to Darnell Jones. Did his thing on that. And, uh, but the My Dick record, back to that. So, uh, Pun was like, yo, we're going to do a solo Tone Sunshine joint on my album, just like we threw Remy on, you know. We did a solo Remy joint on the album. So, I told him, my cool, I'm going to get the writing, I'm going to write, you know, an a, a R&B record. And he was like, nah, but I want you to write a record about the haters. You know what I'm saying? Write a record about your dick. And I was like, about my dick. And he was like, yeah, about me being on your dick and all that. So I was like, all right, cool. 
That's what you want me to do. It's not what I really want to do, but that's what I'm going to do because you're telling me that's what it is. Fuck it. So I goes ahead and I start to write, you know, and I come up with the whole my dick concept, get off my dick. I threw on my vest, loaded up to the hollow tips, you know, and just, just talking my shit on the record. And he thought it was dope as I started writing and he leaves, you know, and so I record the my dick joint. Uh, I go home. I guess during the process while I went home and was doing my thing, he had hit the studio and he put his verse on it. And when I heard it, I came back and I was like, yo, what's up, punk's verse? Your man was... <laughs> 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 fucking crazy. Your man was getting at me. He was coming at me crooked, talking about you the nasty fuck. Making the song, talking about your nuts. Don't want nobody on my day. I'm like, yo, son. He's like, nah, they're going to love it, bro. I'm like, this was your idea for me to make a song about my dick. He's laughing. The, the nigga is laughing, but you know that that was fun, man. He was a real competitive dude, and 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 and, and you know that was his fly right there. So I understood it. I got it, and, and ultimately he was right. Like the fans ate it up. There's there's not a show till this day. Right now, I don't give a fuck if we go to Africa, Spain. I don't care where we at in the world. You know, when I get on that stage and that song comes on, it's amazing to see the entire world singing about my dick. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that, the my dick record is 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 it is it it took a life of its own as well. Yeah, it, it, it's an amazing classic record. Now, one of the things that I, that I've appreciated about you is um, your point to let it be known that you are an elite vocalist um, during your show sets, and you know, go, going about it, you know, with acapellas um, on these stages, you know, with whether it's five people or fifty thousand people, is it important for you to let the fans know that you are a vocalist every time you hit on the stage? Um, yeah, I guess it is. Now that you put it that way, I guess it is because uh, I spend a whole lot of time perfecting my craft. You know, I'm just one of them guys that I'm always singing, humming. I'm always uh, uh, practicing. I'm always mimicking one of some of my favorite singers, stealing a riff from here and a, a run from there, an octave from this one, you know, a melody from that one. And, you know, so I study my craft. I take the initiative to really sit down and, 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 and do my homework my entire life. I'm self-taught, by the way. You know, so just to see the way the game has 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 took took uh, a different path when it comes to R&B music and when it comes to being an actual vocalist in today's day and age, you don't really have to have too much skill as long as you know how to hold a note or hit a melody, mm-hmm. you know? And it's kind of a, 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 it's kind of like a spit in the face to, to artists like myself that spend my lifetime. I spend a lifetime perfecting my craft so that when I do hit a note, so that when I do present a record, a song, every note is precise. And then, you know, to hear people, yo, but you singing too much. I'm what? Like, like, you singing too much. They don't do that no more. Like, they don't do that no more. Are you insane? Watch this. You know, so it's important for me to let the people know I'm not one of these auto-tune singers, although I don't have a problem with it. Like, I think the auto-tune era and the auto-tune sound is really dope. Mm -hmm. I utilize auto-tune in some of my songs because... 
you know, it's, what can I say? It's needed right now. Sometimes people won't even listen to the record if it don't got a little bit of tune on it. So you got to move with times and you got to respect the evolution of the game. But at the same time, I come from an era where authenticity is everything. So I got to let you know that I'm one of the authentic ones. I'm not a studio singer. I'm not a Melodyne singer. I'm not an auto-tune singer, although I don't have a problem with those type of artists. You know what I mean? But I'm much more than that. I'm much more than a studio singer. I'm much more than an auto-tune singer. I got I got a whole lot more to give. To the game. Give it up for Tony Sunshine. Different sound, Boom Bap Nation Radio. So we have a new record, Tony. Uh, we have a new record with Fred the Godson. Let's talk about the record. We're about to debut it right now. Yeah. Uh, Revolution. So I've been sitting on this record, Revolution, for about two years. And uh, shout out to my guy, MB Pro. He played me the, the, the production, he played me the beat one day. And I heard the beat and I thought it was dope, but I wasn't really in that type of vibe that day. So, you know, we sat on the beat and I came home. I came home, I threw my headsets on and I was going through the beat that same night. I was going through, 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 through some of the production in my email and the same beat came on. And I actually caught a caught a vibe, you know. And when I caught that, I was like, "Nah, let me shut this shit off." Because uh, if you you're a writer too, you're a writer, you're an artist, yeah. you, you're you're a lyricist as well. So you know as well as I do that sometimes we catch a quick vibe with a beat, and we know we're gonna smash it, yeah. right? But if you like me, I'm a spur of the moment, and um, I'm a spur of the moment and spontaneous type of, of, of artist to where when I'm in the studio, if I hear a beat and an idea comes on, I must go in the booth and lay it down because I know that it's going to be authentic. It's going to come from the heart. It's going to come from the gut and the delivery is going to be everything. Yeah. But, but if I sit at home and I write it and I continue to spit the same shit over and over again as I write and get every bar together and you know, by the time I get to the studio and I get to the boosties, I lost love for it, or it just sounds mechanical now. It don't sound that it don't sound as authentic, and it don't sound like it's flowing. It don't sound like the delivery is like, oh, that shit coming from the heart, it's coming from the gut. He meant every word. So I much rather come up with it in the studio, to where the vibe is everything. Shit, shit. I meant this when I said this. I didn't think about it too much. It wasn't just sitting in my brain. Shit came from the gut. It came from the heart. It came from the gut. I just said it to you. You know what I mean? It, it, it's not, this is not fake. This was real what I said to you right here. If you understand what I mean. Yeah, no, I super understand what you mean. So I went to the studio. So I went to the studio the next day and I asked them to put the same beat on. And I caught the same vibe and just the first thing that came out my mouth and came to mind was ready to start a revolution you know mm-hmm. uh why it why that came to mind i can't tell you but that's just what came out you know what i mean so i told you let me go in the booth and let me just lay that part ready to start a revolution i'm hoping that you'll be right by my side and the next line just came by itself ready to start a revolution you know and the next line, and the next line, and it's, it's sort of like it just came from the gut, you know, the whole song. 
Mm-hmm. And Lowe's thought it was an amazing record. Like, yo, this is something. And I thought that it was just regular. Like, yo, nah, it's cool. Isn't It's all right. And Lowe's is like, nah, you tripping. So I was like, all right. And so for the last two years, Lowe's has been asking me about the record. Yo, what's up with that record? What are we going to do with it? And I said, let me revalue the record. Let me listen to it again. You know, I haven't, I haven't heard it in a long time. And as I'm listening, I realize that is perfect for what we're going through right now. The world, the world needs to hear this because we're in a dark place. Mm-hmm. We all need a little bit of love. We all need a little bit of faith. We all need to believe. You know, when I say ready to start a revolution, I'm not condoning a violent revolution. The revolution I'm talking about is a bunch of human beings getting together and trying to find a solution, trying to make a difference, trying to override the bullshit they feeding us. Whether you, whether you, you, whether you black, Latino, Haitian, color doesn't matter. Whether you Democrat, whether you Republican, that shit doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Whether you rich, whether you poor, whether you own a house or you renting an apartment, whether you drive a Lambo or you got a Nissan Maxima, it doesn't matter. We are all the same at this present moment. You know what I mean? And everybody needs upliftment and everybody needs to stick together. So I thought it was perfect for this time. And I thought about Fred. Me and Fred been talking about making music together. And I just, I had just left the studio about a few weeks before that and recording a record with, uh, with, with Fred. I think we did the, uh, the Rock With You Baby Bobby Brown record over you know what I mean, for his project. So that's going to be coming out hopefully sometime soon. And uh, anyway, I sent him the record. He thought the record was phenomenal. He immediately sent me a text back like, yo, bro, this record is amazing. Fire emojis. I think I posted it up, you know, with my prayers for him on my page. So if the folks want to see, you know, that text message between me and Fred, they could check that out. You know, and uh, again, I want to say that this ain't cloud chasing because motherfucker hit me talking about, you know, why am I cloud chasing? First and foremost, some of the big homies called me and was like, this is what it looked like. We know you're not doing it, but this is what it looked like. And then another motherfucker hit me with the, why I'm cloud chasing? Cloud chasing what? Like, this is a huge record. It is an amazing record. We're giving it out for free. Number one is I'm not trying to capitalize off this record is a record that I gave the folks from the heart. You know what I mean? Is a record that I thought was important for the folks to have. And number two is that Fred is really my brother. Like, that's really my man. Not a nigga I called to jump on the record and give me some good bars. I called upon my brother because I knew he was going to smoke it. You know, I got many years of history with him. You know, there's a lot of folks out there that probably got many records with Fred the God and Tom Sunshine that people haven't heard on their hard drive. I was one of the first ones to believe in the guy, and I think that he's amazing. So, you know, when I put the record out, even though he's going through what he's going through and he's dealing with the coronavirus and, and, and you know, he's fighting that, is because I felt that his verse was much needed. You know, he's down doesn't mean that his message shouldn't, shouldn't be spread, his message shouldn't be heard. Right now, his message is more important than anything. You know what I mean? So, with that said, I need everybody to go out and support revolution. You know what I mean? Like, when yeah. I say support it, spread the word, listen to it, repost it. Because it's not for sale, it's for free. 
And on that note, give it up for my guest Tony Sunshine here on the infamous hour Boom Bap Nation Radio. About to get into this record, Revolution Tony Sunshine, featuring Fred the Godson here on Live 89 FM. Yeah, yeah, what up? This is your boy Uncle Murder, and right now you rocking with the infamous Amadeus. Whoa! Infamous Al, the infamous Amadeus, hashtag Boom Bap Radio here on Live 89 FM. Shout out to everyone who subscribes to me on Sirius XM Shade 45 every single Thursday, 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. And shout out to all the listeners who's been in tune with the infamous hour here on iHeartRadio, now available in over 120 million mobile devices and television uh, screens. Uh, shout out to everyone who's been supporting real hip-hop, the new hip-hop. We like them all. Right now on the line, we have Buffalo's own son of Tony on the line. What's up? Hey, hey, gang. Uh, welcome to the Infamous Hour. Uh, we were talking briefly uh, a little bit before we got on the line about, you know, the current hip-hop scene, Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse. Um, it kind of seems like you guys are really in the zone with hip-hop. Let me get your thoughts on that. We not playing fair, and we not playing at all. Fuck, I like to hear super. Um, we love the culture. We come from where the MCs come from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, where where does this sound come from exactly? Because I, I remember earlier, like before Griselda, because Griselda has popularized it. But in all fairness, they didn't create it. They popularized it and it got on everyone's radar. But in your opinion, where does this melodic sound come from? It's 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 different than the '90s hip hop because it's like slower, but it's super boom bap. Um, and, and is everyone in the area doing this music? Is this a dominant sound in the area? Uh, in that aspect, I would say yes and no. Okay. Um, it's a lot of different talent from here, so different people do it in different kind of ways, but this sound right here has been in a time capsule. This is a gem that the world is really getting the chance to hear now, and I mm-hmm. feel like this whole region is underrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- th- I've had a lot of, of artists from that area um, here on the Infamous Hour. I had an uh, artist by the name of YNX716, and uh, I just dropped the EP today. That's COVID- my man. Uh, hey. Yeah, COVID-19, and there's another artist from that area, B.A. Bad, who uh, uh, hopped on the album. Mm-hmm. I've got to work with a bunch of them, obviously Benny and Rick Hyde and, you know, DJ Shea. And then, but but Son of Tony, Um, so, so when they hear your sound, we're getting the authentic uh, hip-hop, but what makes you different from everybody else in the region that's putting out music? Uh, probably my concepts, I would say. Okay. Um, I don't just, like, everything with me is tailored to stuff that I've been through, stuff that I actually know, stuff that I actually, you know, witnessed and things like that. Um, I try to stay as reality-based as possible, and, um, it's definitely the metaphors and the energy that I put behind what I do, mm-hmm. and I believe that's the standing mark for what separate me from everybody else it's that time and era where anybody felt like they could just hook up a pro tool set up in the crib and get busy nah mm-hmm. nah mm-hmm. uh we have a we have a new record that just came out today uh the record is called thanksgiving um what is the concept behind this record and, and why name it thanksgiving um in april or like not around the holiday time uh thanksgiving happens to be one of my favorite holidays but it's a metaphor. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
everybody, God willing, you know, I know some people out there that's less fortunate, but God willing, everybody eat good on Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. It's a time for family. It's a time for celebration. It's a time for hope. You know, that good stuff in the air, that good energy. Mm -hmm. You don't want to just eat good on Thanksgiving. You want to eat good every day. Mm -hmm. um, how important is it to so, you to have good energy around you um, while, create, while your creative process? I know everyone is different. Like when I was younger, I, I, myself as an artist when I was younger I, I found myself I used to write better around negative energy I think it was because of my age and maturity now that I'm older good energy is, is, is definitely a plus so for you personally um, how important is it to have this type of energy when you're creating a record or creating an album usually I tend to create these records in my own zone I really don't like to play with my energy when I'm crafting I like to be alone Mm -hmm. Just me and my studios in, 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 in the styrofoam. That's where, that's my test ground for me. I know what ice sound like. And then I'll come outside with it and, you know, let some people hear it and get they, you know, get their opinion. Um, uh, on the joint. Um, so I see we have Aim First Entertainment. We have two artists. We have a low profile son of Tony. Um, how, how is it being in an independent label and running things on your own? It's rough, it's grind, mm -hmm. it's a process, it's a lot of people that's doubting you and, and what you're capable of, but the whole idea is to to, to build a legacy off of what you're doing and, and, and have a respectable catalog and make something longevity-wise longevity mm -hmm. out of it. So it's a process, but I love it because it shows how hungry you are. You got to be hungry out here. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I like about this new um, boom bat movement, specifically from that area of, of, of the state, is this artwork that we're getting, like this collective artwork. So we have this, um, you know, Thanksgiving cover. You know, we have, we have a, a guy's fucking head on a goddamn plate with a with a cup of blood and 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 but but the artwork is is, is very like grand theft auto-ish it, it's very collectors and I, I know a lot of guys now are focusing on doing collectors with um cassettes and vinyl but but the artwork aspect of it like what does the artwork mean to you when they see how it looks on your cover uh i'm not i'm not for play don't matter if you're a rapper or whoever, your head can be on the plate. That's how hungry I am. You got to want it so bad, you about to feel like you about to die. Mm -hmm. And if you don't feel like you about to die, you don't want it bad enough. Yeah. Anybody is food if I feel like it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, we, 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 we have seen a complete resurgence of boom bap. Um, I had terminology and static select on the infamous hour uh, earlier and I asked them and I'm, I'm going to ask you the same question to ask them, you know, are boom bap artists, the current boom bap artists making a mistake by not creating a commercial sound? Um, Previously, when, when we had when Boom Bap dominated the airwaves, you, you would have like a body of work where you would have like these aggressive records, but you would have like an R&B record. You would have like a party record. But now it's like most of the Boom Bap artists are just straight Boom Bap. But as a as a lyrical community, are we making a mistake taking this approach or do you think this is the right thing to do? A part of me wants to say that the approach is fine, but there's an integral part of me that says we need all of our cultures to make this one culture survive. Mm -hmm. 
Young Ma, Young and May got a point for herself. Young and May got a point when she say like, where's the 90s R&B music? Like, where's the music like that? Like, y'all made us popping. Like, we was living and existing because of y'all. Mm-hmm. And in a way, she makes perfect sense. And I agree with that. But we need all of these elements to keep these people watching. If, I, if I'm not mistaken, we surpassed rock. Yeah. That was something we hadn't done before. We need it all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's interesting that you brought rock and roll uh, for the listeners of the infamous hour. They'll hear me. They'll hear me say consistently that, I, you know, in my personal opinion, I think it's time to break uh, music, uh, hip hop down into genres the same way rock and roll is. So rock and roll is like classic rock. It's alternative rock, soft mm-hmm. rock, country rock. And, and at this point, um, there really is no dominant sound when it comes to hip hop. I, I think. People are confused in a sense where they assume it's trap music. There is no trap music. The trap sound is gone. Trap sound was Jeezy. Mm-hmm. Trap sound was T.I. This is not trap music. This is drill. This is mm-hmm. straight auto-tune. And it goes a little bit to Young M.A.'s point where it's like these kids don't have an R&B sound. So they're literally singing on records. And they're just basically mimicking what they heard their parents say. Um, but back to the hip-hop. Back back, back to the bars. Um Do you think that we should create a commercial sound? And if we could create a commercial sound, in your opinion, what would it be? Okay, that's a tough one. This is what we do here on the infamous hour, son of Tony. We ask the tough questions. (laughs) Round of applause for son of Tony for being a good sport. (laughs) Commercial, commercial. I believe, I believe we 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 could take we could take both sides of that coin and make make a third side, and it still be relevant to hip hop. Mm-hmm. But do I believe that we should have sub genres and subcategories? Absolutely yes. Mm-hmm. I remember we used to get to, you used to get chased home for rap in front. Why? And I know everybody get get, get a little get a little uh, uh 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 a little testy about how much violence is going on in hip hop, but you cannot expect us artists that come from the street to not talk about what we're actually seeing and living on a day to day basis. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. And in all fairness, you know, although there is like this poppy, trappy type of sound, um, they're talking the same things that we were talking in the 90s. They're talking mm-hmm. about Dracos. They're talking about busting calicos and doing this and doing that. So they're not really talking something different. But back to the, the commercial sound. In my opinion, as a radio DJ, and as a journalist, I think we do it. There is a commercial sound, but artists are not attacking it and it's this whole like dj mustard type of sound because when you go to a club you don't really hear like the the whole quote-unquote trappy drill sounds in the club you hear like this dj mustard tiger g easy sound so Mm -hmm. so if you could pick like like let's say four let's say three artists besides yourself in the boom bap genre that you think could attack that sound who would it be kids you gotta stop making Uh, fucking noise i'm doing i would say I would say uh, R.J. Payne. R.J. Payne. I would say Benny. Benny. I would say... Mmm. That's a tough one. You know, I like R.J. Payne. Uh, We're R.J. Payne. He's fucking dope. Yeah, yeah. R.J. Payne is dope. Yeah. You, you know who else I think could probably... But there's so many more. There's so many more that we could probably pick from, but I don't... Nobody... I, I don't see nobody really abuse that lane except for the certain few. Yeah. You know, wh- and they seem to be leading the pack to where they turned it into a league almost. Mm-hmm. It's literally like a league. One, one of the, one of the boom bap artists 
that I think could potentially usher it in would be Joel Ortiz. Now, although Joel Ortiz is not mm. a new artist, he's not a new artist, but he's never been commercially successful, but he kind of has the appeal where we've seen glimpses of like R&B and, and, and he uh, rapped on, I forgot what fucking Adele record it was or something like that. But um, it's all about Son of Tony right now. So we have this new record coming out. Um, and matter of fact, it's out today, correct? Yes, sir. Oh, it's out today, Thanksgiving. Um, so so what do we have? We have a project. Video too. Oh, the video. How are we shooting videos in, in, uh, in COVID-19 situation? Is, is it more difficult? Did we shoot it before it happened? How did it go down? I shot it before it happened. Yeah. I, I actually, um, I'm, wor- I'm working on a video right now myself with BA Bad, and it's difficult to shoot a video. Like, in this climate, you can't even have people. But now that you're putting a, a record out and you're putting a project out, you think it's going to be difficult to actually get visuals out? It depends. When I, you know, thinking about it, moving ahead, like if I can control the environment that I'm shooting in, then I consider it, but uh, it's kind of hard to judge anything right now. They just let the whole state of Florida free. I don't know how to call it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right I don't even know if that's why. Yeah, that's uh, so. Especially it, yeah. up here, and up here it's a little better because upstate New York doesn't have as many cases, but our numbers are still they still disgusting. Yeah, the loss of human life is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree, especially. Um, in the city area, the city area is just, you know, apocalyptic at, at this uh, point. Um, and, and upstate, I, there's not that many people up there, but I'm sure it's definitely still um, the same way. Now, when we're able to come out of quarantine and we're able to come out of this whole thing, how do you think shows are going to work? Like, you think people are going to be comfortable going out to shows and being in crowded environments, you know, with this whole like germophobic aspect that we've been introduced to? Uh, the way I see people react on IG to people that they love that are entertainers, absolutely. Yeah, it's gonna go right back to normal in that aspect once they see that you know we could get past a thousand or more people, and you know those type of situations are not bad. Mm-hmm. I can see it going back. I could see people hesitant too, but I could see because the whole world wants to get back to how it was. This we out of step in a way we never been out of step before. So all we could do is like really hope, but I hope however it go, we just play it safe, man, because it, it for right now, we just got to find another way to grind and try to keep our, keep our spirits high and try to keep other people's spirits high and try to bring as much awareness as we can to everybody and what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And just pray for the best. Cause I really have no answers to this. This is unprecedented to me. Yeah. I'm with you on that. So right now, it's all about Sunday Tony. We have this new record, Thanksgiving. Uh, shout your social media real quick uh, and introduce this record. SunnyTony.com. Tony Worldwide on IG. SO Worldwide on Twitter. All right. And we have this new record called Thanksgiving, which is out right now. I'm there for some days. Get up for my guest, Son of Tony. Buffalo Zone. We're about to debut this record right now on Live 89 FM. We'll be right back here on the Infamous Hour. Causing pandemonium in the street. In the street. City to city, coast to coast. It's the one and only. (laughs) 
We're back live on the Infamous Hour. I'm your host, the Infamous Amadeus. Shout out to everyone who subscribes to the Infamous Hour on iHeartRadio, uh, an amazing platform. We have just reached over 500,000 streams lifetime. Amazing thing to do. Shout out to Boombat Nation, our official sponsor. One of the things that we do here at the Infamous Hour, we like to support the unsigned artist community. Same thing I do at Shade 45. And right now on the line, I have Zeno from Brooklyn. What's up, brother? Yo, yo, what's going on, brother? Um, Congratulations on the 500k too, man. That's a big, that's a big deal. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing thing to to be able to, you know, just just have a regular conversation with people. And um, radio in general has changed. Like, um, you know, obviously I'm at Shade 45, but radio, the, the way people perceive radio and the way people listen to radio has changed so much in, in the years. I, I, you know, we're old enough to know that we used to listen to radio on the dial, which is FM. Um, but nowadays, yeah. it's like people go to streaming apps and uh, like, like, what do you think this conversion happened just in general with for people who are used to listening in the car? Now we have Spotify. Now we have iTunes. Like, in your opinion, what do you think all of this kind of changed? Uh, well, if I could speak for me personally. Like, I used to listen to the radio all the time. You know, try to wait for my favorite song to come on or wait for, you know, somebody to drop that new joint. You know, Jigga Man dropped that new joint and Flex is going to play it at such and such a time, whatever. But with the, you know, now that I'm a Spotify listener, like everything that I want is right on my Spotify. All of the music that I like to listen to is right on Spotify. So I can't lie, I haven't listened to the radio in a minute, man. Like, you know what I mean? It's it's not for me right now anyway. Like a lot of this, uh, like the trap music and the drill music, it's not my flavor. You know, I, I appreciate what's going on in the game, but it's not for me. So I still listen to you know, Jigga Man, I still listen to Tupac, I still listen to what I listen to, you know what I mean? Uh, Brooklyn, so, so that's it for me. Yeah, Br- Brooklyn is a is a very interesting place, um, because, you know, when, when, I, when I think of Brooklyn, I think of Jay-Z, I think of Big Daddy Kane, I think of M.O.P., roughly because of the yeah. time, time period I grew up in, uh, uh, later on, you, you would, fabulous, the sound from Brooklyn has changed so much, and, and these kids kind of like, Except this new sound is theirs. What, what, where, where, where did the original hip hop go? Where did the original uh, lyricism? I mean, this is the home of Biggie, Junior Mafia, Zeno. In your opinion, where did this whole thing go? Uh, you know what? I, I think I, I think a big part of it is, uh, you know, biting biting styles. It just became a normal thing. Like when I was coming up in hip hop, it was important that you didn't sound like somebody else. You know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. You know, because cause people will say you biting. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, it's cool to be biting. Like, if you biting, so what? Nobody cares. I, like, for instance, I like, uh, rest in peace, Pop Smoke. Mm-hmm. I've heard, like, every time I hear that beat, it sounds like the same beat. But it's not. It, people keep telling me, like, no, it's not the same song. And I'm like, dude, it's the same fucking song. Oh, so, you know, Pop Smoke and this Fiverr guy and, you know, it's a bunch of bunch of people with the same sound, and I'm like, all right, if that's what y'all doing, that's fine. But I'm gonna go back to listening to Jay. So I, you know, I, I really don't know. A part of it is because biting is cool. Part of it is because, I, in my opinion, part of it is because you know the the um, public has accepted it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The public just accepted it, like. Mm-hmm. Back in the days, you, you couldn't sound like somebody else and just be accepted. But now it's like, yeah, you sound like my favorite guy, so now you're my favorite guy too. And all right, you know what I mean. Whatever helps you get through get you through your day, I don't think that is a 
it's good for the growth of, of hip hop, but mm. you know, who am I to, who am I to judge that? Yeah, I agree. Um, one of the, one of the things, the interesting thing that has happened since uh, COVID-19 is hit music has hit essentially a reset button. So, a lot of the guys that you've named, a lot of the guys that, you know, even myself, when, when I work in a club environment, a lot of the guys that I've played in these type of environments are simply non-existent right now. They're all gone. Yeah. They're, they're all gone. And one of the reasons why is because they all portray one type of sound, one type of emotion that cannot be displayed at this time. You can't turn up at this time, right? So now you have... People, people like Babyface and, and, and Teddy Riley bringing in 4 million listeners. Um, you think we're going to get back to the bars? You think uh, there's room for R&B, John? Your thoughts? I, I, I think that, you know, the game is, it, it comes in phases. So what, what is old will be new again. What is new was old before. Like, you know, when I listen to, for instance, I listen to uh, when I listen to like some of the trap music and some of the drill music that's happening in my brain is like, what the fuck is going on here? I think about how my parents thought about like Dos Effects when I was listening to Dos Effects, and they was like, what the hell is this? You know what I mean? So it, it you know it goes, it comes back, it goes back. It's, it's an evolving thing. So do I think that it'll come back to you know people just spitting bars and you know. Go get back to people, you know, truly speaking on what's going on in our communities and, you know, have songs, some songs with messages and things of that nature. I absolutely think that it will. I hope that it will. But uh, right now, man, the game is in a place where, you know, everybody's turning up. Like, you know what I mean? Nobody wants to tell their real life. Everybody wants to tell that, that one, uh, talk about that one night when they was turning up, but nobody wants to talk about you know, the day that they broke up with their girl or the day that their parents passed away or the day that their homeboy got locked up and how that made them feel. People don't want to get in touch with those kind of things anymore. It's all about turning up right now. So, you know, have a good time, have fun, but life still goes on. So eventually, yeah, we're going to have to get back to um talking about real life, man. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been featured on several blog sites. Uh, this is 50.com or Scully Mag online. But a lot of people know you from Top Mike's Radio. Oh my God, Trife Boss. Yeah, yeah shout out to Trife Boss. That's the homie. Shout out to Trife yeah, Boss. Yeah, that's the homie, man. Um, yeah. Top, the Top Mike's Radio, talk about it. Uh, and what happened to it? I mean, y- y'all were prevalent online. It kind of just went away. Uh, we have Top Mike's Radio in the future. Talk about the show and, and uh, what it brought to the table. Well, Top Mike's radio was a, was a derivative of the Top Mike's tour. You know, I was a like a featured artist for, for a long time on the Top Mike's tour. And then when they came to me and wanted to start Top Mike's radio, they came to me at Trife. And I wanted to shout out to, uh, shout out to Rich, you know, the, the CEO of Top Mike's. He came to me and wanted to get it started. And, and I'm like, all right, fine. And so we did it for a couple of years. And, you know, we grew, grew the radio, the, the, the radio show to becoming the number one show on its BM radio, which is the station that we was uh, broadcasting from. So we grew it pretty big. But then what happened was we had a fucking, uh, I'm sorry, I, can I curse here? Absolutely, My bad if I the, can't. It's the fucking end of this hour. You can talk that shit, man. Uh, all right, cool. But yeah, so what happened was the, the, the studio that we was working out of, mm. it burned down. Oh, shit. So once the studio burned down, there was no place for us to broadcast from and we never reestablished a place to you know it, it takes some money it takes some investment and you know the brothers just didn't have the 
the, the it wasn't a good time to invest in a new studio at that point. But you know, I, I, I miss doing radio, and um, yeah, I, I I hope that one day I get back into doing radio. But yeah, right now I just you know refocus my energy on being an artist and putting out uh putting out my art. Yeah. Yeah, um, Impossible ENT, that's the label um, Independence as an artist Is more prevalent than ever um, I was listening yeah, to yeah. Royster Five Nines album And he said probably the best Thing that I've heard in the last 20 years at least, and I mean think about how many Albums have been released in 20 years, but One of the things mm-hmm. that he said, one of the things that he said On his album was, you know, what's the good Of owning your masters If the music doesn't age well And it, it actually gives a very prevalent record because we hear a lot of things about guys owning their masters. I'm, I'm with distro kid. Cause my masters, I own this and that, but if the music doesn't age well, it honestly doesn't matter. So at impossible ENT, what are some of the things that you guys are doing to make sure that you're creating timeless music? Well, we try to, well, I, well, shout out to Lord Madge and the whole impossible ENT. First of all, um, this is, you know, different artists, do things differently. I could speak for myself personally, you know, to, to, um, I try not to date my music by talking about, uh, fads. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I try to, I try to, cause real life continues. Real life always happens. So if you ground your art in real life, then your art will always be relevant. It's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I try to ground my art in real life so that it's never uh, a fad. It's never something that happened 10 years ago. I might let you hear a song that I did 10 years ago, but you won't know it because there's never really a mention about something that happened 10 years ago. You're just talking about life in general, things that happen all the time, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's what I, I try to focus on. I try not to date my music with um, current events. Like, I, you won't hear me make a song about the coronavirus, for instance. Mm-hmm. Because if you hear a song about coronavirus 10 years from now, you know that that song is 10 years old. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I try to, uh, I try to, you know, when I'm creating, I try to make sure I'm conscious of not dating my music and not dating my material with, uh, with fads and current events. You know what I mean? Mm, super fast. Get up for my Gazino in the building. Uh, we have a new yep, record. Yep, we, yep. we have a new record. We're gonna debut here on the Infamous Hour. Uh, before we uh, shout out the record, uh, shout out your social media where they can follow you at. What projects we have coming up? All right. Well, well, you can catch me on um, Facebook Zeno Fifty One. That's Z E E N O Five One. My um, Twitter is the same thing Zeno Fifty One. My Instagram is Zeno Fifty One P I E. And um, yeah, man, pretty much, pretty pretty much all my social networks is Zeno Fifty One. Uh, I got a project that I'm releasing uh May seventh, so we about to start the whole pre-sale of that now. It's a self self entitled album. It's called Zeno. It's just a you know a collection of a bunch of parts of me. And um, you know, uh, we released two singles already. The first one is called Pray for Me. That uh, that was earlier in the year and then uh, we just a few months ago released Zeno and the G's featuring Flat Top and the Rock Boy G's so that's uh, making it circulation out right now and I believe that y'all have that up there right now yeah we do but, um, yeah yeah so you know that's that's doing really well for us and we 
I'm trying to shoot a visual for it. I, I think I'm going to have to go another route because of how the whole uh, how this whole Corona thing is playing out. You know what I mean? I'm trying to keep my distance from everybody, even directors and fucking cameramen. So you know, I'm trying to shoot a vi- I'm trying to shoot a visual for that right now. But for for right now, man, we just pushing heavy. We got the song everywhere, getting a lot of love. Yeah, man, Zeno and the G's, man, is doing well. All right, so Zeno and the G's debuting right now on Live 89 FM. I'm the Infamous Amadeus, all social media platforms at the Infamous Amadeus. Make sure you check out for that new Zeno record. We're going to debut it right here on Live 89 FM. We're back live on the Infamous Hour. I'm your host, the Infamous Amadeus. Shout out to iHeartRadio, Boom Bap Nation, and all of the different platforms that we are. We have officially reached over 500,000 streams. Something major. Shout out to everyone listening to me on Sirius XM Shade 45. Now, one of the things that has happened here with COVID-19, uh, we have to reevaluate the way that we move, the way that we look around. Uh, a lot of things have stopped. The economy has stopped. But one of the things that will never stop ever in life is real estate. Digital marketing, real estate forever. Forever will be something that, you know, it's something that's needed, something that we could build on. Right now, I have a very special guest, Donahue Baker, on the line. What's up, brother? What's going on? Um. So, real estate, real estate is is, is always a, a big investing thing. Uh, we see the growth of how you can actually come from real estate with Donald Trump being president, right? Um, what made you get into real estate to begin with? My real motivation really was to remove the doubt, remove any doubt that I could possibly become homeless. So I was able to build this massive five hundred unit portfolio because I actually wanted to basically ensure that I could never become homeless. And I just bought my first property, lived in one side, rented out the other, and just scaled every single year after. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in a time right now where people are struggling. Um, I've seen some amazing stories online of people that own properties, um, you know, giving free rent. I've seen other people, you know, just, you know, just continuing business as is. Um, but fr- from an ownership standpoint, let's just X out the people that are actually living in the, from an ownership standpoint, how does like a COVID-19 situation affect owning actual properties and units? definitely affects it because when people lose their jobs, obviously it affects the, the way their ability to pay rent, which is their number one expense. Usually most people, that's their biggest expense, either the rent or the mortgage and take that job, take that income away. And it affects that ability, which it affects the, the landlord's ability to make a profit on that property. Yeah. Um, 500 units is a, is a lot of apartments. Like uh, how did you actually acquire all of this uh, real estate? Well, started just doing a duplex, lived in one side, rented out the other, and then started to accumulate uh, every single year, pretty much doubling. And, and, and then I got into apartment complexes, and that's what I do right now, just buying apartment complexes. And that's basically how I was able to get to that level. Um, much different apartment and, and home ownership. I actually bought my first property uh, two years ago, uh, being a homeowner. And honestly, being a coming from like an apartment into home ownership is a completely different situation. I mean, we, we, we didn't calculate gas expenses and X, Y, and Z. Um, but from a real estate, someone who owns apartments, I can imagine that these expenses owning units much must be much larger. You agree? Absolutely, a hundred percent. So. But the great thing about it is, you know, you have a lot more income to, to disperse and you can pull a, pull a team together. So we, you know, properties, we have a leasing office, 
We got an electrician on staff that actually lives in one of the units, a plumber that lives in one of the units, uh, a groundskeeper that lives in one of the units. So we're able to, to literally have a business in a box. So you're able to actually have a life and not uh, devote so much attention on, on that individual management. You can basically have the time to scale. So it, it's new problems, but it's definitely better problems. And it allows you to scale your operation. Yeah. Um, so so you, you've, you've co-founded this uh, 10 million angel syndicate fund. Let's talk about that a little bit. And how did that come about? Awesome. So we, we definitely have a fund right now. And, and our focus really is to empower uh, young minority developers all over the country, people that really want to get into real estate and develop. We basically have this fund. Basically, we will fund your real estate bill 100% as long as, and, and you retain some ownership as long as you have a deal that is profitable and it's vetted. So that's something that, that we do that really employ uh, young developers to get more minority developers out there uh, engaged with their municipality. In addition to that, we also fund ideas and, and businesses that need capital. So with those two components, it's, it's really something that we offer a value add, a value proposition that we offer to people and, and really just focus on trying to get them to be the best that they can and make an impact in their community. Um, round of applause for that. Super. Um, thank quick, you, thank quick, you. quick look at your resume, your lifetime member of the NAACP. NAACP, you know, I mean, their their name is um, synonymous with, with just uh, urban culture. I, I don't like to label things like black culture or Latin culture because we all right. kind of are the same. You know what I'm saying? Um, right. So right. the NAACP, being a part of the NAACP, what does that mean to you? I mean, that's that's a privilege. It's a badge, badge of honor. I'm sure your thoughts. Absolutely. So it's a very uh, historic organization, instrumental, monumental in the civil rights movement. And a lot of times, you know, if you've been, if you haven't been alive to see that struggle, I just think it's important to to understand how important the NAACP was to the advancement of civil rights and major legislation. Um, You know, we, we usually focus our attention around Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday, but that organization has historically been you know really moved mountains and i think that we haven't really reached our pinnacle today and there's work still needs to be done so i try to be the trumpet in the community making sure that you know the naacp still has has a voice and i'm very active in in my local chapter Mm -hmm. um you know i I think a lot of times when when we live in urban environments like just smaller uh, urban city environments uh, a lot of people get you know, they get stuck in a rent cycle. They, they don't really go ownership. Um, you think this is a general mentality amongst minorities um, in, in, in general? And, and how do we go about teaching, you know, people in general how to get into actual property ownership? Well, yeah, so if you're interested in building generational wealth, there's really only two ways. And that's why it's so important as minorities that we think about one of these two ways. As, my, as the minority community, really particularly as a black community, we, we spend between $1.2 to $1.5 trillion every single year. But our net worth, our median net worth is only $11,000. The reason why that is is because we don't own. So I tell people, if you're interested in building generational wealth, you have to own. And I have a strategy, I have a plan to help wherever you are to get you to the next level so we so that you can have ownership and you can start creating wealth for you and your family. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, give it up for Donnie Baker. Super fire. Uh, let's talk a little bit about this book. Uh, so we have a new book. We have a new publication. Now let's talk about it where people could get it at, where they could read it at. Sure. You can uh, you can purchase it on Amazon.com. Uh, generational Wealth, that's the key. Just look up the title and you can purchase it there. Or you can also purchase it or you can, you can get a free copy of the book if you follow my YouTube page, which is A. Donahue Baker on YouTube. I got some awesome videos and, uh, and a series called Millionaire Power Moves and Millionaire Power Moves analyzes the power moves of some millionaires you know and some millionaires you don't. But uh, it's an interesting story. But if you if you follow me on YouTube and join my private Facebook group called Generational Wealth Builders, the book can be yours free. And basically what I do is help you along the way, help you personally get from one level to on the roadmap to building generational wealth to the next level from first time home ownership all the way up to, to building a portfolio that you can pass on to your children. Mm-hmm. Round of applause for my guest Donnie Baker in the building. Uh, so, so uh, the social media once again, where they can follow you at the social media here on the Infamous Hour iHeartRadio, where they can follow you. Uh, I'm on every single social media platform that uh, that most people use: uh, Instagram, Facebook. The, the URL, the, the name is a Donahue Baker, a like Apple Donahue D O N A H U E Baker B A K E R. A Donahue Baker, that's my name, and it's the same name on every single channel. You can follow me there. And uh, if you have any questions or you need any help or advice, reach out to me. I'm not selling any courses. I'm really just trying to pro- really propel knowledge and, and create more developers all across the country. All right, round of applause for you. This is Infamous Hour. I'm your host, Infamous Hour. We'll be right back here on Live 89 FM.